at the end now of our series we've had in October uh, called Faith, Hope, and Love. Faith, Hope, and Love. It's been a series that we consider God's top three. Just like we have a top three at Kingwood, God has his top three. He said so. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, he said, And these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and even the greatest of these is love. And we've talked about those. Over the past three weeks, we've asked three important questions about each one of those on each week. We've asked, what is it? Why is it so important? And how can it impact my life? But today what we want to do is instead of highlighting one of them, we want to put them all together. And I want to ask a fourth question to apply to us today, okay? And that's this one. How can faith, hope, and love impact our church and our world? How can what we've talked about over the last month actually do something in us that will impact our church and our world? These three top attributes that God calls his top three can make an impact on Kingwood Church in our world if we will allow them to have what they're supposed to have uh, working in our life. Now, how do we do that? How do we find a way for it to impact our church? Well, that's a good question. And so where do we need to start with that? Well, let's start with this thing. In Jesus' ministry... What did Jesus talk about the most? Just think about it. In his ministry on earth, the three years he ministered, what did Jesus talk about the most? Well, let's think about that. Jesus often talked about faith in, in every, every, every uh, sermon, in every teaching, almost in every parable. He mentions faith. You might remember he told the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you well. He, he marveled at a Roman centurion who wasn't even from any Jewish background, didn't know anything about God. He marveled with that Roman centurion said, you just speak your word and I know my servant girl will be healed. And Jesus said, what incredible faith. I've never seen such faith. Jesus made comments like, your faith has made you whole or your faith is, faith is great. And then sometimes he would say to his disciple things like, Oh, you of little faith. He regularly said the words, only believe, only trust, only have faith. And he asked the question sometimes, do you not have faith to believe? Do you not believe? So Jesus mentioned the importance of faith all throughout his teaching, all throughout his ministry. He, he spoke about it in sermons, but he talked about it even more in conversations he had just with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Jesus made it clear that faith was a choice we make. God doesn't just magically zap you with faith. He doesn't just magically make faith happen when it feels like it's a good time. No, he says it's our choice. But he has given every human being on the face of the earth the ability to access and exercise faith. It's our choice to do it or to not do it. You know, we sometimes don't understand that faith is something that we could actually put all of our trust in. It's, faith is trusting God totally. Like, for instance, uh, this table. I can, I can say, do I have faith in that table? Well, I can do this. I can lean on this table, put, put most of my weight on it. I've got some faith in that table. 
Because I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't. That's faith. But it's not a lot of faith. Because if you move that table, I might stumble for a second, but I'd be okay. But if I stood on this table, which I'm not going to do, <laughs> if I stood on this table, I would be putting all of my faith in that table. I, I wouldn't be reserving, you know, well, this is, I'll put a little bit of faith there. God asks us to put all of our faith in him. That's what he asks, to trust him totally and completely. Faith is Faith is, faith is the language we talk to God with. It's the currency between us and God. I mentioned that uh, three weeks ago. Faith is the language we speak when we pray. When you pray, you pray by faith because you don't see a God standing in front of you. The, the pagans have idols they look at. We don't. We pray by faith. But I've got news for you. We also listen by faith. When you hear God speak to you, when you hear God respond, when, when God answers prayers, that's also by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what Hebrews tells us. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Jesus listened to God through faith. He listened to his Father. You know what he said? Jesus said one time, I don't do or say anything that I don't see my Father doing. How did he do that? Well, in prayer, he listened to God by faith and he did what God said. He acted the way God acted. He saw God give instructions and he followed them. As we pray in faith, we exercise faith and we learn to hear God better. That's true, that's what happens. Faith grows as we pray. The more you pray, the more you grow in faith because you're listening and praying by faith. Imagine what it would be like if every person here at Kingwood or online or anybody that, that, that's a part of this church began to pray in faith and listening to God and resting on him completely and totally and doing everything he said. Imagine the impact within our church and outside our church. Imagine the impact. I'll tell you what. If that happened in this place, it would transform our city. It would transform our neighborhoods. It would transform everything. And I guarantee you that baptismal pool we're going to be using a little later would be mighty busy. That's, that's what a, an, an increase of faith, growing in faith would do at Kingwood. What else did Jesus talk about the most? Hope. Thank you. He talked about hope. <laughs> you know, I mentioned the, the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, hope is like the receipt you get from Amazon when you've, you've ordered something. And Amazon goes, your order is being processed and it will be delivered its own its way. That's what hope is. Hope and faith are tied. You pray and believe God by faith and hope is the receipt you get from God saying, I will keep my promises. That's what hope is. Now, if, if, if I were to take a concordance, if a concordance is a, is a book that has every word in it and you look up a word and it tells you every place in the scripture that word is used. And if I look up hope in a concordance, I would see bunches of times that hope is used in the Old Testament. And I would also see a lot of times it's used in the New Testament in the epistles, that is in the letters that were written. But there's not one time the word hope was spoken in the gospels. It's not in there. It's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. 
uh, Jesus never actually recorded, used the word hope. He, he never did, surprisingly. So the word hope is not in the Bible according to coming out of Jesus' mouth. Let me tell you something. The word Bible is not in the Bible either. But that doesn't make it less important to us. Listen, everything Jesus did was like a spring of hope that flowed out like cool water in the middle of a desert. I promise you. Jesus talked about hope without using the word. You don't have to use the word to talk about it. Jesus said, for those who mourn, I promise comfort. For those that are rejected and persecuted, I promise you, God will will give you heaven. For those who've wandered away like lost sheep, God said, I promise you, there's a shepherd out there looking for you. For the guilty, there's the hope of forgiveness. For the lonely, there's the hope of the love of God within the church itself. For the poor, there's a hope for riches that money can't buy on this earth. For the homeless, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And and for those who are frightened, he said, take heart, don't fear, I've overcome the world. There's hope in the way Jesus healed the sick. There's hope in the way he raised the dead. There's hope in the way he mentored his disciples. Hope is looking forward to the promises God had. And Jesus talked about that all the time. He brought hope to a desperate woman whose tears were on his feet. He brought hope to a powerless thief on a cross when he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He personified hope when he rose from the dead on Easter morning. He breathed hope into his disciples when he said, I will return. And by the way, he is. He also breathed hope into them when he said, and in the meantime, the Holy Spirit is going to come live in you. That's hope. He gave them that hope. He said, look forward, go to Jerusalem and wait because it's coming. Jesus often talked about what is to come. You know, we talked about hope has to do with what God's going to do in the future. Yeah. He talked a lot about heaven. He also told the truth about hell. He talked about what is to come. He talked about persevering in persecution and not being anxious when things don't go our way and and it looks like the world is turning upside down. Jesus didn't have to say the word hope to drive the point home about hope. See, hope for Jesus wasn't a campaign slogan. Hope for Jesus wasn't a Hallmark card. Hope for Jesus was a way believers live their life. Hoping in the Lord, hoping in him. So when Jesus talks about hope, we ought to pay attention. If Jesus talked about things like this, shouldn't we? Can you imagine what it was like if all of Kingwood's people out in the community, in the neighborhood, and in the stores, or where you meet your friends, talked about the hope that we have in Christ, or talked about what God is doing, and looked forward to what the Lord is doing instead of being talking only about all the stuff we see on the news every day and talking about the anxiety and the terrible things that we go through on a daily basis. Can you imagine if people talked about hope all the time, how attractive the gospel of Christ would be to those who don't know him? Okay, so what else did Jesus talk about the most? You got it. (laughs) Love. (laughs) Jesus even said the two greatest commandments were this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, body, mind, and strength. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said. Jesus said, greater love is no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus didn't say that about somebody just caring about another person like in some situation where they protected him. Jesus was talking about dying on a cross. He laid down his life for us. He called us friends, laid down his life. You know, he could have come down off that cross. He could have even not gone to the cross at all. He had that choice. Love is a choice. He had it. He could have said, Father, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. This is too much. But he didn't. He said, not my will, your will be done. Why did he do that? Why did he go to the cross? Because he knew John 3.16 was coming. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son. Jesus knew I am his only begotten son. Therefore, he acted on love. And he talked about it all the time. He talked about it all the time. Imagine if everybody at Kingwood Church or, or, or everyone on, online today or everyone in any church, imagine if we began to love people unconditionally. Imagine if we loved God with all of our heart unconditionally. We just loved him. No matter what we see around us, we loved him. And we love those people around us with agape love. Imagine what it would do in our world. Imagine how things would change. According to the Bible, Jesus said this to his disciples. Uh, it's in John chapter 13. He told his disciples, people will know you're following me. You'll, you're my disciple by how you love. Listen carefully. Jesus didn't so that, say, they'll know you're my disciples by how great power you have. He didn't say, they'll know you're my disciples by all the miracles you pray for. He didn't say that. Look, power of God doesn't matter at all unless the love of God is evident first. And that is a true statement. And that's our number one thing. That's why he said it's the greatest of all. All power of God that exercises goes through us in any way or the other. It has to happen because of love. That's what the Bible says. I want you to look at Matthew 23, 23 with me. Look at this. It says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? You're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. You know, sometimes when religion... We do religion really well, but we neglect the big deals. Faith, hope, and love are the big deal. We can't neglect those things. It's so easy to get unbalanced. So I want to give you three, two rather, I'm, I'm a two person now, two big takeaways today to try to answer that question of what we can do to impact our world. And here's the first, okay? Keep faith, hope, and love properly balanced in your life. You probably weren't expecting to hear that. But let me tell you what I'm talking about. It is so easy for us to get unbalanced. Even how we treat the things of God. When faith shrinks in our, in our lives, when faith is diminished, when we start losing faith, 
when we start throwing things away that God has told us and, and we, we start diminishing faith, obviously it affects us. It leads to fear and anxiety. It leads to all those kind of things. But sometimes things like human zeal, just wanting to get things right, doing things for God, sometimes that disguises itself as faith. And it's not really faith. We shift our focus sometimes away from God and onto the things of God. And really what we're doing is we're being unbalanced in how we, how we see those things. We begin to do things for ourselves instead of for the Lord. Let, let, me, let me give you an example. When I, was, when I was 16 years old, I felt called to ministry. And in the little church I went to, they had the power to license people to ministry. And at 16, I got licensed to preach. Now, that does not, I'm not bragging on that because that was a really dumb thing. <laughs> I don't know why they did that when I was 16, but they did. And I was just really proud of that. And I, and I, I really mean that. I was real proud of it. And I got invited to speak and do a youth revival at this church that had no youth. That's why we want, they wanted me to come to a youth revival so maybe some youth would come. So I just brought the ones from my church and, and uh, my friends and my mom and people, their friends, their came. It's a little country church on the edge of Ashland, a little bitty country church, right sort of in a pasture. And um, I preached three nights there. And the third night, man, I was so excited I was going to preach on the second coming of Jesus. Like I knew a lot about that. And... Uh, I was going to preach on it, and I was so excited about it. And so as I started preaching that night, it was a really hot night, so they opened up the windows. And there were no screens on those windows. And during and all, while we're preaching, while I'm preaching in there, big old horse flies came in. And they were like dive bombers. People, are, you know, you're preaching, people are going. And it's not even a Pentecostal church. They're lifting their hand. And... Man, it, it was just irritating to me. These, these flies were everywhere. And so I thought, you know what? These, these poor people, they need to listen to my sermon. So, uh, so I decided I was going to do something. I, 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 uh, I was going to command all the flies to leave the church building. You say, why did you do that? Because I read a book. I read a book that afternoon that told me that I had all authority, that I had authority because of Jesus. I had authority. I had authority even over the beast of the fields. And I was thinking there's some flying beasts from the field coming in the room. So I decided I was going to act on faith and show these people the great power of God. So I, and I, when I told people I was going to, I'm going to, the Bible says we've been given authority and I'm going to take authority over these and we're going to. I remember seeing my mother on the back row just put her head down. And I, and I thought, oh, she of little faith. And uh, so I did it like this. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command every fly to leave this room. And at that moment, a horsefly hit me right in the mouth, flew right into my mouth. And I spit fly parts everywhere. And, uh, and of course, everybody laughed, as they should have. And I, I, I was really humiliated. And honestly, I was upset at God because 
I was stepped out in faith. Stepped out in faith to do what? To show them how spiritual I was. Now, I, I don't think I realized it at the moment, but it was my zeal. I had zeal, but I didn't ask God if that's what I ought to do. <laughs> I, I didn't ask God that. But you know how good God is? God let that happen to me so that I'd never do that again. <laughs> Sometimes we turn faith inward and, and, and sort of measure ourselves and see what high, high our temperature is in faith. That's not what faith is for. That's not what it's for. It's like going to a gym and seeing this, this person working out, you know, with weights, with their shirt off, this guy's working out, and he's looking in the mirror. He's checking himself out. That, that's what we do sometimes, and we call it faith. It's not faith. It's just taking our own temperature and see how hot we can get. It's, sometimes we, we take zeal for the Lord, and we call it faith. Faith is trusting what he tells us, not what we come up with. It's true. See, that was the Corinthian problem that I've mentioned every week. The Corinthians were so excited about their spiritual gifts, they wanted to show out their spiritual gifts and how powerful God was among them. And Paul said, you're missing the big deal. You're missing it. What if, what if, uh, what if you aren't balanced in hope? What if you lose hope? What if you don't have any hope? You, if you lose hope, you lose perspective on the fact that we're not just living for this day. We're living for what God is doing. We have to trust him for our future as well. Otherwise, we'll be just overwhelmed with the problems of today and we'll start living for today and live only for today. We'll be hoping for riches in this world and hoping for honor in this world to vindicate ourselves in our own little selfish journey that we're taking. And we, we call that the hope of God. No, true hope is about eternity, about doing what God says so that we'll lay up treasures in heaven, not for earthly rewards. That's what true hope is. We could easily be tricked into, into living and confessing, oh, I believe God's gonna do this for me because we want our present to be a lot better. It's nothing wrong to pray about anything. You can pray about anything, but let your hope be focused on him not on you. Outward, not inward. What about love? What about when love is diminished in our lives? When, when a sense of love is diminished, it makes us feel alienated from God. When we don't even love ourselves and we, we won't forgive ourselves or whatever, we don't realize how much God loves us, it makes us feel so far away from God. There are people right now that won't come to church because they say, man, I'm afraid the Satan will fall in if I walked in. Like God is angry with them or something. God's not. He loves them very much. And if we, if we have that missing love in our life, then we're not going to know how to love other people either. We'll end up judging people the same way we judge ourselves. We'll start putting conditions on everything. I love you if. I love you if. Because you think God says that to us. He loves me if. That's not true. God's love is unconditional. We have to keep the balance to understand those things. If Satan can't stop you from believing in Christ, then he's gonna try to make you as unbalanced a believer as he can. He's gonna try to get you focused on the things that matter the least. And that's true. The things that matter the least. <clears throat> Here's the second 
big thing that will help us. Give faith, hope, and love the chance to mature you in Christ. Maturing as a Christian demands that we become more like Jesus tomorrow than we were yesterday. That's what growing in the Lord is, more like Jesus. And the best way we can become more like Jesus is to have faith, hope, and love grow in our lives, the big things that God had said. God calls us to be to have a deeper walk with God. You've heard Pastor Jay say it a long time ago at the beginning of our year. You've heard us talk about it. This world is falling apart. We don't need more knowledge. We need to go deeper in God, not in knowledge, not in methods. We need to grow deeper in our love for God, in our service to God, our love, our, our hope in God, our trust in God, our faith in God. Our faith has got to be deeper and deeper and deeper so that our roots can go deep in this time that we live in. We've got to go deeper in faith, in hope, and in agape love. So I want to bring you back to our, our number four question that we're only asking this week. How can faith, hope, and love impact our church in the world? By growing, by growing, maturing, and being balanced in faith, hope, and love in our personal lives that overflows to the lives around us. It's the truth. That's how it works. That's how it works. Can you imagine the impact that we could make in Shelby County and beyond if we took the idea that I'm gonna love like Jesus more than I ever have. I'm gonna have faith and trust God like I never have before. And I'm, my hope is gonna be on Him and not on things of this world. And we start living that in our lives. You know what we'll be noticing? We won't be noticing like looking in the mirror going, look how strong I'm getting in Jesus. You know what we'll be doing? We'll be going, there's somebody that needs the love of God. There's my neighbor who has no hope. I, I need to be that for him. We'll be able to say, hey, can I pray with you? I want to pray because I believe that God's going to help you. Instead of exercising and looking in the mirror, instead of inward, can go outward. That's what God has called us to do. We are to be a movement of hope to Shelby County and beyond. That's what we want to do. And that's what we're going to do. Because God is going to help us grow and mature. It won't all happen overnight. But as we dig deeper to be close to Him, He will allow our roots to grow deep, our tree to become strong, and our outreach will become bigger and bigger. And we won't be looking in the mirror. We'll be looking at the fields out there that are ready for harvest. That's what God says to us today. You know, just um, just a few weeks ago, when Pastor Jay's incredible wife, Stacy, passed away, and I was, I was over sitting talking with Jay and his boys, and there was something that, that Jay said that has stuck with me ever since. And it really, it, it made a big impact on me. Jay said, you know, Stacy was, Stacy wasn't some famous person, famous speaker that went around the world. But he said, she got the big stuff right. She got faith, hope, and love right. There was nothing she left unresolved between her and God and her and other people. 
She loved the Lord her God with all of her heart. She loved her neighbor as herself. She got the big stuff right. You know what would change our world? If every one of us decided to get the big stuff right. And we let God work inside of us like that. I remember in, in years ago in Master's Commission, there was, there was one of my one of, incredible young man. He loved God with all of his heart, but he was full of zeal and really full of zeal. One time we were talking and um, I was just having a conversation with him. And all of a sudden he just closed his eyes and started praying. Just, I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm praying. I said, I know we were like talking. He goes, I know, but God said to pray continually. I said, okay, well, let's just talk right now, okay? He said, well, that's what the Bible says. I said, listen, I just want to ask you something. Do you think little children love to come to Jesus? He said, yeah. I said, were children afraid of Jesus? He said, no. I said, well, people are afraid of you because you do stuff like that. You're just aware of what's going on with you. You're not aware that you're in a conversation with somebody. And if they don't see the love you have for them, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to, you're going to run them away from Jesus, not toward him. And he goes, I'll have to think about that. Later on, he came and he goes, oh my goodness, that is so true. If we could let that light come on inside of us right now, it might change the way we live our lives. It's not about how spiritual I can get, but how much I can show what Jesus is through me. Would you stand with me this morning? This series, Faith, Hope, and Love, has been all about Jesus because he is the source of all three of those. He's at the center of all of this. I think the best question to ask right now is, is he at the center of this in your life? Are you playing around with the extras on the outside? Or are you focused on the big deal? I want you to ask that question as we sing this song together. I'm going to ask you to ask that question. And in a moment, our prayer team.